This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's Monday, December 12th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Shake-up for the Democrats in the Senate. After clinching a 51-49 majority with Raphael Warnock's win in Georgia, Senator Kristen Sinema announced she would be leaving the Democratic Party and register as an independent. While the impact may be minimal when trying to pass legislation, it means a lot when we look ahead to 2024 and how the two parties will fight to win that seat. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill, joins us for how this decision plays out. Carrie Lake files an election lawsuit in Arizona and the big fight of the week, Congress struggling to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. Next, a look into the hyper-competitive world of bodybuilding and the extremes it takes to get those outrageous physiques. There's hours and hours of training, strict diets, and then there are the drugs, steroids, and other performance-enhancing drugs. It's leaving athletes with irreparable damage to their bodies, with some having heart problems, needing kidney transplants, and worst case, death. Jen Abelson, investigative reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for how the extreme sport of bodybuilding is pushing some to the edge. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This should be no surprise to folks across Arizona. I've been serving as an independent voice for our state for quite some time. Just made it official with a party registration change. Joining us now is Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, we got some interesting news this past week uh, as Senator Kristen Sinema decided that she was going to leave the Democratic Party and register as an independent. So we also got the news, obviously, that Raphael Warnock secured his Senate seat there, giving Democrats a 51 to 49 advantage there in the Senate. So now this kind of throws a a bunch of stuff (laughs) into the air. We don't know how Kristen Sinema is going to be voting with Democrats now. This also kind of throws a curveball into the Senate race for 2024. Uh, Julia, what are we seeing with this decision by Kristen Sinema? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think in a way this was a surprise and that, um, you know, we just didn't know when she was going to do this. But a lot of uh, political watchers, Republicans and Democrats already consider Kirsten Cinema to be an independent in many ways. She very much bucks her own party most of the time. And she, you know, has, you know, very much sometimes sided with the Republicans, but she'll side with Democrats as well. So I think the fact, you know, when it came was a bit of a surprise because it just the announcement came days after Democrats secured that, you know, 51 seat majority. Now, 
it will likely won't uh, impact deal making in the Senate and, you know, business in the Senate. Um, since Kirsten Sinema has said she will keep her uh, committee assignments, which, you know, would suggest she will caucus with Democrats, sort of like Angus King and Bernie Sanders caucus with them. The question is, how does this impact the Senate race in 2024 in Arizona? We don't know whether she's going to run again for reelection. And if she did run, she'd have to run as an independent in the Democrats presumably would have to nominate another um, candidate in that race. So that's really where the big question is. Yeah. And then, you know, we're also looking, uh, she made an appearance on uh, CNN over the weekend, talking a lot about the border, saying the federal government has failed the southern border there. Um, uh, Obviously, a a big issue that Republicans take very closely. So uh, just an interesting look at how, uh, you know, the next couple of years will go for her uh, switching over to being an independent uh, staying in Arizona, I did want to mention very quickly Republican Carrie Lake there. She was running for governor against Katie Hobbs. She lost that race. Arizona has already certified those election results, but keeping with the president, former President Trump playbook, uh, she has filed a lawsuit now saying that uh, she received the greatest number of votes and that she's entitled to be named the winner. Uh, how far is this thing going to get? It likely will not get far in Arizona. We see that, um, you know, very clearly Katie Hobbs won, even though it was a very narrow majority. And, um, you know, multiple officials, Republicans and Democrats have, you know, agreed with, you know, the voters decision in that uh, case. What this shows is essentially Carrie Lake is keeping with President Trump's playbook and contesting the elections. It likely will not go far. It'll be taken to the courts, but this isn't going to be, um, you know, it likely will not be successful because we've seen so much support for, you know, the election results. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's largely one of those things we've seen a lot of people move on from now. Uh, people are a little tired of that old playbook. We saw a bunch of uh, backers of President Trump and people that he was supporting lose in the midterm elections. Uh, it seems by and large, like most people are kind of over that. But you know, we'll see if this does anything. <laughs> I did want to uh, talk about what's going to be happening this coming week. So Congress has to pass a funding bill by Friday to avoid a government shutdown. Um, it looks like there you know, might not be as close as some may want. They're gonna, probably going to have to pass a, a CR, a continuing resolution is what they call it, uh, to uh, continue funding the government while they work out a deal. And I guess Democrats want to attach some type of election reform bill to this bill um, just to be able to sneak it in before the end of the year, basically. So this is kind of the impasse that uh, the senators are at or Congress is at right now. Right, right. And this is, you know, probably one of the last big things we've seen. We we get to see done in this lame duck Congress. I mean, we've already seen the Respect for Marriage Act pass through, you know, both chambers. And we are seeing, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats really trying to pass as much as they can before Republicans come in and take the majority in the House. It normally happens in a lame duck session when you have these continuing resolutions and these bills to fund the government. Um, You know, right now, I think you're you're going to see maybe some pushback from conservatives um, in the House on this pushing back, but um, you know we'll we'll have to see what's more in this legislation. Democrats will definitely want to spe- sneak in that election reform, um, you know th- that measure in here, um, you know to make a final statement. Like I said before, Republicans take over. Yeah, and that election reform bill is uh, basically designed to help prevent another January six. It'll make it harder for losing candidates to claim victory. One of the interesting things on this one, though, is uh, you mentioned it, right? Republicans are going to be coming to power 
in the House. So there's a lot of pushback from House Minority Leader, soon to possibly be Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, he's trying to urge uh, the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to walk away from this deal. He says, hey, let's wait until we come into power. Then we have much more negotiating uh, uh, leverage there. And, and so this is kind of the game that's being played with this uh, this whole thing right now. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have to see. I mean, it is possible that someone like Mitch McConnell may want to start off the year next year with a clean slate, not having to deal with, you know, this, you know, kicking the can down the road with funding the government. Um, but, you know, Kevin McCarthy very much trying to push back. And he himself is, you know, under a lot of pressure right now as he potentially could become speaker because he is facing pushback within his own party. We know that conservative Congressman Andy Biggs has launched a challenge against him for the speakership so you know he's trying to i guess walk a fine line to use that cliche um you know as they prepare to take the majority and you know start off um you know the next year yeah all right well we'll see the the this week the fight to fund the government will be one of the big stories we'll be following julia manchester national political reporter at the hill thank you very much for joining us thank you for having me AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. They're using fat burners that are really meant as medication for horses. They're using, you know, underground, sometimes unknown substances from labs online or labs, you know, that they're finding things from China. And it's really left athletes in a fairly vulnerable position. Joining us now is Jen Abelson, investigative reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, there at the Washington Post, you and some colleagues are, are doing an investigation into the world of bodybuilding. I have to say, I've read through a few of these already, and man, is it a crazy world there. And, you know, you kind of see it, and if you're seeing it on TV or in pictures, whatever, you you know it's an extreme sport already. The amount of preparation and dedication that a lot of these athletes go through to get the physiques that they, they come out with. But the world behind it is so interesting. And a lot of it is uh, plagued by steroids and diuretics play a huge part in this. And this uh, kind of 
bodybuilding under the umbrella of health and fitness, but some of these people are just not healthy when they're going through it. So, Jen, tell us a little bit. Start us off by telling us about uh, Built and Broken, the investigative series, and then we'll get into uh, some more uh, specific things. Like you, I didn't. I knew very little about the bodybuilding world before I joined this investigation, and it began out of a tip from a, a colleague's father. Um, was very involved in the bodybuilding world as a he had helped uh, was involved in making pumping iron back in the seventies, and sort of had gotten a tip after his father died about some some really um, you know potentially devastating allegations about the world. And so we sort of launched into this investigation into different areas, looking at sexual exploitation of women. And my area focused on looking at the health risks to athletes. And so that is the area that I sort of really dug into. And it was really eye-opening to really understand the intimate details of what these athletes do in order to be prepared to compete. Yeah. And that health aspect, obviously super interesting. I mean, it gets to the point that some of these athletes are dying because of the supplements, the steroids, all the things that they're taking to prepare for competitions and to get those physiques. You know, there's so many, you have a lot of examples in in your piece on this where there's signs that these athletes are going through. I'm experiencing cramping. I'm, you know, haven't had a drink of water in hours, but still they push forward. And, you know, with uh, the help and encouragement of their coaches, which is another whole angle to this, they're really doing a lot of damage to their bodies in a lot of cases. Yeah, I think one of the things that really struck us is just the way is in which it's really distinct from other professional sports in that at the at when they are ready to compete, when they're going to get on stage and be judged, it is when they are at their weakest and most fragile state. They have been, you know, depleting, dehydrating themselves. They're incredibly lean. When we first started looking into this, there was a lot of focus on and talk around just steroids, but it's so much more than the steroids they're doing. There's this whole host and cocktail of dangerous performance enhancing drugs. They're using fat burners that are really meant as medication for horses. They're using, you know, underground, sometimes unknown substances from labs online or labs, you know, that they're finding things from China. And it's really left athletes in a fairly vulnerable position. In addition to the steroids and the drugs and the supplements, it's like the severe dieting and the diuretics and the training, hours of cardio a day. Yeah, the diuretics is an interesting part of it too because you know they're taking this to remove water so their muscles look, quote unquote, dry, more defined. And uh, I mean, that's one of the biggest health problems that uh, people get left with, kidney issues, because you're just depleting your body of liquids. Yeah, we've seen some, um, you know, a number of athletes over the year who have suffered severe kidney problems, have had kidney transplants, sometimes multiple kidney transplants. Um, and, and athletes have died because of diuretic overdose as well. And that was the case. There was suggestion that that was likely the cause of, um, there was an athlete in 2013. Her name was Terry Harris. She was, uh, had two days after competing in her first professional bodybuilding show in Tampa, Florida. She went into cardiac arrest on a Stairmaster and the coroner, you know, said an electrolyte disturbance could not be ruled out. She was having severe cramping before the show. And there was another athlete that we talked to, Jody Engel, um, who's still alive, but she's uh, 31. She's a single mom, She's, but she's facing a lifetime of kidney issues. And her doctors have told her that she's going to need a transplant. Talk to me a little bit about the coaches and their involvement in all of this, because in a lot of times 
they're pushing the athletes to uh, obviously push their bodies to the limit, but they're also giving them the access to the the steroids and and other things. Uh, they're giving them the dosage that they should be taking. A lot of times, they're not necessarily licensed for that. You know, they're just coaches. Maybe they've done it in the past for themselves, and so they're just giving them a lot of advice and and really pushing them to keep on track to a lot of these programs. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is there's just a whole various levels of accountability. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these these athletes are saying, you know, I took the drugs. I personally am responsible for what I put in my body. However, I will tell you that I was relying on people who I thought were experts. I was paying them for advice on what I need to do to win and what they're being told to do by these coaches and by the judges who are ultimately rewarding them is that they're being advised to take, you know, stacking on so many different steroids, stacking on various performance enhancing drugs and diuretics and um, fat burners. And, and so, and we've seen both, you know, these people often do not have any sort of formal training, do not have medical licenses. They're supplying their clients in some cases with illegal steroids or fat burners. There, they're giving them detailed plans of how much we saw Daniel Alexander, his coach in the days before he was, um, he died of steroid-induced cardiomyopathy. Like he was being told to increase his doses of Winstrol, which is a powerful steroid, and and other other steroids that he was taking. And um, it's just when you see this, it's like a, a laundry list of drugs these people are being told to take. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they're being advised not to seek medical care. Daniel Alexander is one of those cases where he was um, he was concerned about seeking medical care because he was worried that it was going to ruin his physique, that he would end up getting filled and pumped with fluid. Cause like we've been talking about, it's all about coming in dry and defined. And he was worried he wouldn't be that way if he went and sought medical care. And ultimately it was a, it was a fatal decision. He ended up dying that overnight. Yeah. He's such an interesting case. So he died at age 30, Daniel Alexander. And, you know, uh, throughout this investigation, you were able to access a, a lot of text messages and emails. And for Daniel and a lot of other uh, of these athletes, too, they, they have some similar cases. But Daniel texted a friend who worked as a nurse practitioner and said, 5% body fat right now, lots of stims, have a very irregular heartbeat for over an hour, becoming painful, still hard to breathe. Worry? Like, should I be worried? And, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, you're going contrary to what your own body is telling you. Just reading that, that sounds super worrisome. But as you mentioned, he didn't want to go to the doctor, get liquids and ruin what he had been preparing for. Yeah, I think there's um, someone described them as contest blinders, which I think is a good way to think about it, that they are so focused on winning, so focused on showing up in a certain condition they've spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of money. These are very expensive sports to compete in, getting all of these drugs and supplements. And these people talk about it, describing it sometimes as an addiction, that they're willing to do whatever it takes in order to win. It becomes an addiction to see how far they can take their body um, to an extreme. And I think they sometimes lose sight of like what is the, you know, a, a, a potentially life-threatening mm. emergency that's happening with their bodies. Now, bodybuilding has been around for a long time and, you know, the 80s and the 90s was a, a big heyday for this. And, you know, there was a lot of steroid use, uh, a lot of diuretics, obviously, back then, too. What has changed or what has stayed the same since that time? What we've been hearing from the athletes and coaches and judges is that over time, there has really been this push to an extreme that the bodies and there's a great story today by my colleagues that looks at the science behind what bodybuilders are doing to their bodies. And you just see them getting bigger and more massive. 
and trying to build be as lean as possible. And so, you know, physiques, there was a story today was talking about how Arnold would not be able to win with his condition. Arnold Schwarzenegger would not have been able to win, you know, the Olympia or other bodybuilding competitions with the physique he showed up in, you know, back decades ago. People have described it to me as like a freak show. And and coaches, when they brag about their athletes online, there was a coach, Shelby Starnes, who um, was very well known for working with uh, female athletes and especially the women in the bodybuilding division, which is like the, 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 the largest, most extreme of the sport that goes from bikini to bodybuilding. And he, you know, would compliment his athletes online as freak, freak show, freakazoid. And that that yeah. is the direction in which the sport in some instances has gone. Yeah, he worked with Jody Engel, who you mentioned earlier, who possibly facing kidney transplants and just long-term damage from the programs that she was set in. What do we know or what have we heard from the governing bodies for these competitions? You made mention in the article how uh, they don't really test a lot of the athletes for some of these substances. Uh, what has their reaction been to all of this? In the U.S., the, the two largest bodybuilding federations, it's the National Physique Committee runs the amateur and the inter- IFBB Pro is the the professional division. And they do not do any kind of routine drug testing at all. They're, it's not considered a drug tested league. There are certain shows, you know, certain show promoters may a- advertise and, and promote individual quote unquote natural shows where they do test sometimes by polygraph or sometimes by urine, but by far and away that that is not the regular at these shows, that they are not subjected to any of it. So they have essentially opted out of, of, of knowing what their athletes are doing in order to show up on stage. Um, there's another major bodybuilding federation um, that's based in Spain that they say that they do drug testing. However, they were recently sanctioned by um, the World Anti-Doping Agency for failing to um, you know, spend enough money on testing and for failing to do effective testing. So, and I think there's other places around the world where it's it's sort of that people are looking the other way and kind of turning a blind eye. And so it, it is, it is as, as Luke Sando's mother, um, Luke Sando was an athlete from the United Kingdom who died 31 in 2020. And she said to us, you know, she said, it's an absolute free for all. There's just real destruction and devastation and destroyed lives. And I think describing it as an absolute free for all is, is something I've heard from other people yeah. as well. Jen Abelson, investigative reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy 
taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.